Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are continuing our season preview and we have the Metro Division. Uh, If you missed our Atlantic Division preview, be sure to go check that out uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast as well. Uh, And just like the Atlantic Division, we are going to go through all eight teams. Uh, We're going to start from the bottom and I, again, split them into tiers as well. Uh, We're going to go through just kind of what they look like this year, what's the expectation, a couple things that we're looking at, and uh, we'll probably have the over-under line for points again, so we will uh, give our opinion on that as well. So, Chase, let's get right into it. Uh, I started at the bottom with two teams that I think should be in the rebuilding category. Uh, one team I think is more in there than the other, just because I think the the second team in this category probably doesn't think they're rebuilding, but their roster would say a little otherwise. Um, so let's just start at the bottom here. I have the Philadelphia Flyers coming in at eight. I also had Philly at eight as the worst team in the league and also had, I think, what is fairly obviously a two-team tier. Yeah, um, when we get to, I mean, Columbus, it's uh, it's no secret that that's the other team in this tier. But when we get to them, we can definitely talk about why I think they probably view themselves closer to a team like Washington uh, than they probably do Philly, rightfully or wrongfully. Um, but yeah, Philly has made it very, very clear that uh, they're okay with being bad this year and uh, good on them, to be honest. Like it's... Uh, about time they finally kind of committed one way or the other. They've been kind of just right in the middle of things for the past five, six years, maybe even longer than that, if you want to argue, since the last time they went to a cup, really. Um, they've stripped some of the pieces. I think, I don't know. I, I still think this team, the defense core scares the hell out of me. Let's just start there. Like oh, yeah. they are very purposely not icing a good team and that's okay. Like, I think they're doing the right thing here. Um, but when you have a defense score of Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen, Sean Walker, who I like Sean Walker, but Sean Walker, Cam York, Mark Stahl, Nick Sealer, and Yegor Zamula, um, good luck to you is all I can really say. Yeah, poor Carter Hart, basically. Yes. And that's kind of the most interesting thing, I think, with this team is do they play Carter Hart? A t- like, I was a little surprised he didn't get dealt this offseason, and, and I get – he is 25 years old, so people are still kind of clinging on to, well, they can do a three-year rebuild, and he could still be in, you know, 28 and still a viable option for them when they get out of it. And I, and I guess, but, like, the best way, we've talked about it so many times, right, where the best way to really kickstart a rebuild and be effective in a rebuild is build out an okay roster that doesn't completely suck, but they're not great, and just have it get tanked by goaltending because goaltending's voodoo anyways, and that's probably the easiest thing to get at least average at if you just take a couple shots. Yeah. And I don't know, like I think Carter Hart, it's been a really mixed bag. I would say he's that top 20 area. Like I think we had him right around the 20 mark on both of our lists. I think he might've been honorable mentions uh, if I'm not mistaken, but like he definitely has the high end play where he can kind of ruin their, their tank a little bit more than they want, I think. Whereas if they would have traded Carter Hart this offseason and rolled with Felix Sanderson, uh, Sandstrom and Cal Pedersen in that, that would have been a much more secure way, I think, to make sure that you are the worst team in the league. Suddenly you're feeling great about the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I, I had Hart 17 and you had him on your honorable mentions, the second honorable mention, just for anyone who is curious. Um yeah, I, I just I, I'm curious to see what that looks like, I guess. Like how much do they plan on playing? Because the other thing is too, 
if you're going to say that he's the goalie of the future, even if you're going through a two or three year rebuild, which I think that's kind of, if they're not traded them by now, that kind of feels like what they're doing. Right. Um, If you're going to say that you can't be playing him 60 games a year, because that's a good way to just make sure that guy has nothing left when you actually want him to be playing good. So like maybe they move his worked out workload down to like 45 games and just say, Hey, we're going to try and rest you as much as we can. But I just can't see how Carter Hart would be okay with that. Yeah, it's a really weird scenario, and like goalies specifically on teams that are tanking are in such a weird spot. Because like forwards, you can just kind of like, you know, you got to keep somebody on the roster or whatever. But like, I don't know. So with the singularity of the position, it's always such a weird spot. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, like at the end of the day. Carter Hart has definitely shown some downside as well. I mean, I, I don't know, like. He's such a weird goalie to, to rank. I, I I think it's clear he's not going to be one of the like top five goalies or whatever that he was kind of projected to be maybe when he was coming into the league. Um, but the the one really bad year, the two really bad seasons he had, I guess, were kind of right in the middle of COVID where he was very open about like his mental health struggles and stuff like that. And outside of those years, he's been fine. And I know you can't just cut out the bad games and leave the good ones or anything like that. But like... I do give him a little bit more of a pass in terms of like, I don't think he is like the 35th best goalie in the league or anything like that. So, but maybe we are just overrating how much one guy is going to make a difference in, in terms of Carter Hart. Yeah. Luckily the defense score is so bad. I think for the tanking purposes, like Hart could actually put up like a 900 save percentage would be good next year. I think. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, that's very that's very true where yeah the the defense core is so horrid that he could stand on his head and it might not make a difference um so yeah maybe that is that is a good call i i think this team they're trying to be the worst in this division i think they will be um and that's okay like again i i think they are doing the right thing i've i've really liked what daniel briere has uh done since taking over as gm of this team oh yeah he's been great and like you can tell they know what they're doing like they pick Mitchkov. You don't pick Mitchkov if you're going to turn around and try to make the playoffs next year. That's yep. a pretty clear long-term strategy, which is smart. Yep, exactly. Um, I guess the other thing, so it sounds like Sean Couturier will actually return this year. Like From what I heard, he was actually healthy or or is ready to yeah, go. Yeah, I've seen that too, actually. Um, I think people probably overrate. Like Obviously, having him is better than not. Um, I think people might overrate maybe what that means when the rest of this team really just isn't very good. Like Owen Tippett is projected to be on their top line right now. Now yeah, there's so much Couturier can do. Yeah. Like I'm going to switch. I guess I'm going to switch the lines around like daily faceoff is their top line is Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, Owen Tippett. That is not great. And then their second line, Scott Lawton, Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny. I think that's more of their first line than their second line, but even that, First, like Farabee, Frost, Tippett, I don't think is a great second line either. No. And then their bottom six is just like Cam Atkinson, if he's healthy, Noah Cates, Wade Allison, uh, Nicholas Delorier, Ryan Poling, and Garnet Hathaway. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Like, you just, you're not going to win that game for that. No, I don't really know who is going to score for this team other outside of like, Faraby and I guess connect. I guess Cam Atkinson can if he stays healthy, but like even Cam Atkinson is like a 20 goal scorer, right? Like he's not. It's not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, 
over under two and a half 20 goal scorers on this team this year. No, okay, I'm going to go three and a half. If Couturier plays, I think about the over, but I'm just going to bet the under. Yeah, like I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, like even Joel Faraby had 15 goals last year in 82 games. He did not have a great season by any means. Yeah. Um, I think Konechny, he had 31 last year. So like I would bet pretty comfortably he would go over. Yep. I think, yeah, Konechny yeah. pretty safe over. As you said, Couturier is probably going to go over. I still think Faraby will hit the over on that. But like after that, like is Owen Tibbet scoring 20 goals? Maybe. But I don't know. He, he, had, 20, he had 27 last year, I guess. But that I think also was probably a pretty high shooting percentage because he had 22 assists. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Someone needs to score for this team. But definitely, I think, you know, they, they've built this in a way that this is going to be another rebuilding year for them. And that is totally okay. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Um, what uh, did you have there over under point line? Uh, yes, I do. Guess it. So they they had a uh, seventy five points last year. What do you think it is this year? They're probably. I'm gonna say seventy two and a half is where they put the line at. That's really damn good. Seventy three and a half. Jeez. All right. Um, I'm gonna go under. I think. Yeah, if I was going a direction, I would be right there as well. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good line, but like just, I don't know. I think with how good the Atlantic is and the Metro, you know, it's not the murderer's row maybe it was before, but I do think there are some still pretty good teams in the Metro. I go slightly under. Uh, Dom has their projection at 73.7 points, which is 28th in the league. Yeah, I think that that all makes sense. Yeah, so... um, all right. Uh, one thing, I, I don't know. There's not much I want to watch with this team, but if you had to choose one thing you want to keep an eye on with this team this year. Oh, God. I guess I'll go with Couturier. He's really the only player on this entire roster I care to watch. So hopefully he's healthy and that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll go with... Um, hmm. I'll go with Travis Konechny, I guess. He's got two years at 5.5. I honestly could see if he plays really well for the first half of this year, him being like the big trade deadline rental that someone gets and they move him for like a haul. So I guess I'll go with Ken Travis connecting repeat what he did last year and um, just, you know, boost his value. Yeah. I like that one. All right. Uh, The other team that uh, we have hinted at this tier and uh um, I definitely have them in this tier, but again, I would argue they probably don't think they should be, and that's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, this... It's weird, because it seemed like they kind of understood where they were, and then they signed Goudreau, which can still be justified in the context of a rebuild, and then this summer they were just like, no, we're not rebuilding, despite the fact that we were less than a 60-point team last year. Yeah, they went... Oh, we're kind of rebuilding, retooling. And it's like, just kidding. We're going to re-sign Patrick Line to $8.7 million, sign Goudreau to a seven-year deal, uh, give Eric Branson $16 million for some reason. Um, this year, they brought in Damian Severson, gave him an eight-year deal at $6.25 million. Like, they brought in Ivan Provorov. Like, I just, 
I don't understand what they're trying to do here. Yeah, I I don't get what they think they're doing. And all of this is like ignoring the whole Mike Babcock kind of situation, you know, like. Yep. Which just with, makes it look worse. Literally. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I really don't understand what the goal is here. I mean, like any projection Dom has them right around the Philadelphia Flyers. He has them projected for 74.3 points, so a half more point. And they spent so much more money than the Flyers this offseason actively spent their offseason getting worse. Yeah. Like, I, like it's it's just not a good team. No, it's not. And I guess so. And, then, and the reason I had Columbus personally ahead of Philly is I do think, obviously, A, they're trying to be good. Um, but B, they they do have some young potential. Like if Adam Fantilli comes in and plays like a even a second line center or third line center, that is more than anything that Philly's going to get from any other prospects this year. Kent Johnson could take another step forward or whatever. But like, I don't know. Like a couple of years for the past two seasons, I felt like I was like, oh yeah, I'm like kind of high on this prospect pool, especially up front. Like I think they could be like sneaky okay. Patrick Line is only twenty five. He feels like he's thirty. Um, and then every and then they just kind of like go and get mediocre guys that just aren't good. And also the guys that they had, like Emil Benstrom, Liam Foudy, like even uh Marchenko gets talked up a lot, but like they're not they're not different makers by difference makers by any means. No, and like the prospects haven't I mean like Cylinder's been fine or whatever, but it's not like Cylinder looks like he's a star in the making or anything like that, too. Like they're just yeah. They seem like they're ready to stall out in the middle. Yeah, like what? What is? Yeah, like what is the peak of this team if everything goes right? Like Fantilli is an absolute star. They're probably still only like the fifth best team in this division. Yep. Yeah, because like, say everything breaks right for Fantilli, and like your realistic good comp for him is rookie year Eichel, because his kind of scoring numbers were similar to that. Like. I don't think the 60-point rookie Jack Eichel is enough to make this team a wildcard team or really anything close to it. No, like... Yeah, and and we're more just talking about this year, but even going forward past this year, it's like like you need Stillinger, Fantilli, and Johnson to all pan out perfectly to even have a hope of getting like much better after this year, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're really lucky that Fantilli is Fantilli because you don't often get players that good, even at number three. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't really get the long term plan. I, I did get it. They drafted really well for a while, and they seemed like they were building towards a coherent vision that made a lot of sense. And now I'm just like, yeah, I have no idea what what you guys are doing. Yeah, like daily faceoff has their lines right now is Goudreau, Boone Jenner, Kent Johnson, Texier, Fantilli, Patrick Line, Benstrom, Roslovic, Marchenko, Robinson, Corrali, Dan Forth. So that doesn't have Cylinder. Cylinder would slot in somewhere in there. I'm assuming Dan Forth would come out of the lineup. Marchenko maybe goes down the line. Um, but like, I think Cylinder is mostly a center, is he not? So that means yeah, just one of like. Does Roslovic maybe slide over to a wing or something like that? And you run like um, Jenner and Fantilli, 
Sillinger down the middle. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's, the problem is there's not a lot of like great answers, right? Like you no, like a magician can't take that and make it make look like an elite roster. No, like and like I, I get almost why they want Boone Jenner as their first line center because you don't want to throw Fantilli to the wolves, but at at the same time, like I almost think it'd be better for him to play with Johnny Goudreau. At least he'd have some skill play. I mean, Belaine's a skilled player as well, but you know, Line has his downfalls. Helping your young players. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know. Like it just the the potential there is, you know, there, there are some potential exciting pieces. I just the overall team to me seems so meh to bad. Meh to bad yeah. is the like Yeah, meh to bad is exactly it. It's just like they seem to have just enough that they shouldn't be a catastrophe, but I don't yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then even Which on the blue worse, line, right? Because if you're gonna be bad, you go you'd rather be really bad. Well, exactly. Like that's why I I don't mind what Philly's doing and I hate what Columbus is doing, because at least Philly knows that they're gonna be bad and is committing to it, whereas Columbus is just like we're going to try and be the 23rd best team in the league or whatever. Yeah, which is probably the worst spot to be in the league. Yeah, like, I guess the only worst might be like 20th with no chance of getting better because you're out of the lottery, but also out of playoffs. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. And then you get to their defense. So Wierenski, Andrew PK, uh, or Peaky, I guess. Um, they bring in Provorov and Severson, and so I would assume that'll be their second pair. And then you have, like, Boquist and Good Branson on the bottom pair. It's like, well, I don't love any of that. Like, I think Provorov and Severson, if they are playing in a true second pair, will be better suited than, like, Provorov was taking number one minutes in Philly, which was just absurd. But the biggest question for me is, what does Zach Wierenski look like? Because even before he got hurt last year, I don't think he was playing particularly well, if I remember correctly. No, no, I don't think so. And even if he was, like, it's kind of unrealistic to expect him to just come back and now this will be. Yeah, yeah, like, because for this decor to work, you basically need Wierenski to be what, like, peak Wierenski was a couple years ago. And then yeah. Provorov and Severson need to be what people kind of seem to think, where it's like, if they're playing a lesser role. But the thing is, like, I get the number three defenseman is definitely different than the number one defenseman, but I don't think Provorov or Severson are seen as their number three defenseman. I think one of those are probably seen as their number two defenseman, which will still get lots of defensive matchups in terms of like the penalty kill and stuff like that. Well, that's the thing. Somebody has to take those minutes. Yeah. And like, you're not going to play Wierenski peaky. And if you are playing peaky, like 25 minutes a night, that's an issue within itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a separate problem. So it, to me, kind of just like reminds me a lot of the forward core, but with less upside because it's like you just have so many holes here. I don't know how you're going to plan on filling it. Yeah, I just I just don't get their plan. I don't I don't. It, it had to be ownership pressure that was like trying to make the playoffs this year, right? Like that's the only way any of it makes sense. But even yeah. that, like, I don't know. It, it must be. But yeah, like I just I'm. I don't know. To me, it just, it really, yeah, I just don't get the, the vision here. And like, again, maybe I just looked up on Involving Hockey because I was like, am I being too mean to um, PK here? But no, I'm not. 
he has yeah. been not very good. Like, not very yeah, good at all. Not there. No. Um, so the fact that he might be their number one, or like maybe they'll go Wierenski and Severson, but then you have the exact same issue that I had with Severson in terms of why you shouldn't pay him. And it's because, you know, he, he's a good player, but the, and the term definitely worries me more of Severson, but it's like, it depends how they use him here, because if they're just planning on him being like a shutdown guy with Ivan Provorov or whatever, it's like, well, I don't think that's really Severson's game. No. That's absolutely not Severson's game. Severson's quite a good defender, and that's not one of the reasons why. Yeah, so, like, Severson, I don't know. Maybe Severson and Wierenski as a pairing could work in terms of, like, I think that does have the potential to be an okay pairing. But then I think that leaves a giant hole in terms of playing defense when you have, like, Ivan Provorov, Eric Goodbranson, or Andrew Peaky trying to play shutdown minutes or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not in love with this team at all. Um, in that they have Elvis Merzlerkins and then, uh, Daniil Tarasov. I, I believe they think pretty highly of Tarasov, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I am 99% sure you're right. So that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on, um, he had an 8.92 in 17 games last year. That team was atrocious last year, though. But he also had an 8.82 in 11 uh, AHL games and 11 AHL games the year before. He was an 8.93. Like this dude hasn't had a. He's had two sub 900 save percentages in any league since 1920, and that was four games in the NHL with the 9.37 and 16 games in the KHL in 2020, 2021. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, he was a third-round pick in 2017, but, like, his career save percentage right now is 900. I just – I don't know what you expect in terms of upside with him. And then, like, when it comes to Merce Lurkins, it's kind of the same issue I have with – um um like, I was at Corpusalo, where it's like, he is – shown a couple okay stretches or whatever but like the consistency just hasn't been there yeah it also goalies are weird so this could just be reading in the noise like there's like a linear downward trend from miss lurkins which would scare me yeah 923 the first year in 33 games 916 and 28 games the next year 907 59 games the next year and 876 and 30 last year and Again, I get that team was absolutely horrid last year. So, like, I, I don't think he's an 876 goalie, but I also don't think he's the 923 guy he showed four seasons ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, what is their over underline? Take a guess. 59 points last year. I can't see them being worse than the Flyers, but I can't see them being much better either. I'll go 74 and a half. You're getting pretty close to these. It's actually the exact same as the Flyers, 73 hmm. and a half. I think that's fair. Like, just the gap to get from 59 to 73 and a half is so large, especially when, like, they did add pieces, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I don't think their team is, a, like, a ton better than last year. Um, And, like, Corpus Allo played amazingly last year in net, too, is the other thing. And that's gone. Yeah, exactly, right? So... I don't know what to do with this one. Part of me wants to go under. 
but I could also see them going slightly over just like if they get some regression the other way from like Merzlerkins or whatever. I'm going to go over. I'm going to think Goudreau bounces back a little bit. Fantilli's good. And they just get like 906 goalie. And that gives them 74 points. Yeah, I was going to say over as well. If I had to pick one. I wouldn't want to put money either way on this. But if I had to pick one, it would be just like, yeah, over. Same idea. Goudreau bounce back. Um, one thing I dislike is they they blocked Gear 6 route to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Kind of annoying because that's probably their best bet at like true upside. But I think there's enough competent, like there's enough good players. I can't see them going too far under. But yeah, like I'd be pretty surprised unless the goaltending absolutely falls out from underneath them. But I'd be pretty surprised if um, they have 59 points again this year. Yeah, exactly. And then you just like if teams get into trouble when they assume all of these guys are going to do it, but like one of Fantilli, Kent Johnson, Emil Brandstrom, uh, Kirill Marchenko, or Cole Sillinger being really good seems pretty likely. At least a singular one. And none of those guys were on the team and really good last year. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's got to be like the thing to watch with this team this year is can one of those guys take a big step forward? Exactly. So, Who's the um, most likely to, you think? be like a Um, legit top six player of all those guys i mean this year because long term yeah i was gonna say part of me still wants to say fantilly but i think i could see it being ken johnson he had 40 points in 79 games last year he's going to be in his second full year in the nhl i could see him adjusting and it being ken johnson with the clear like fantilly you can see that he's going to be better within a year or two yeah i was going to pick johnson as well I th- I think long term, like I said, it's Fantilli. Yeah, no one else even belongs in the same conversation. But I would I would go Ken Johnson. Yeah, I also think it could be like a floor upside thing where it's like I could see Ken Johnson being a solid second line player this year, whereas like Fantilli might be a third liner, but also maybe Fantilli steps in and kind of looks like a McDavid Matthews kind of did. Uh, maybe not quite to that degree, obviously scoring like forty and whatever McDavid like. McDavid was on pace for like 90 points in his first year or something like that. But like if Fantilli steps in and does look like a legit first liner right away, that wouldn't shock me at all. But I could also see him just trying to adjust and and being a third liner where like Ken Johnson might just be a second liner or like a low end first liner. And that's OK. Yeah, I'm with you there. The range of outcomes better with Fantilli. But yeah, the, the floor for Ken Johnson is higher because he's had a 40 point NHL season already. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, on to another tier that I, I, I have two teams in this tier, but I kind of have one way higher than the other, I feel like. Um, but I'm curious to see what you have coming up here. Who did you have in sixth for this division? I also have two teams, and I debated putting this as a one-team tier because there's a team that I think doesn't really belong with anyone else in this division, but I put them in here anyways. But I started with the Capitals. I I don't buy that they're in for a good year. Yes, this is the exact same I, as I have as well. And so I kind of like the two teams I thought were kind of rebuilding. I think the Capitals are just kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. I would be absolutely floored if they are like a bottom five team, but I just don't see them making playoffs either. And so I can't realistically convince myself that they should be considered like a bubble team. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm right with you. Like the Capitals were an 80 point team last year, and they're on like a leverage or like who's important adjusted basis. I'm sure they're probably one of, if not the oldest teams in the league, and they weren't good to begin with. And I know yeah, they like, were injured, but it's not like the like Baxter's not going to come back and save you now. No, and like even Kuznetsov, I, I was listening to a radio show the other day, and they're like, oh, like Kuznetsov just needs to bounce back. It's like, bounce back. He's 31, and he has like one good year in the last five. Yeah, Kuznetsov's been struggling. He's put up points, but he's been an empty calorie point producer since like they won the cup. Yeah, and like TJ Oshie's 36. Wilson's 29. Mantha's 29. You know, Obi's like 38. Yeah. And I like Dylan Strom, but I don't know if I love Dylan Strom at $5 million. Yeah. Well, and I like, I have no problem with that, but like in the context of the rest of the team, what is Dylan Strom going to do? Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty clear that their goal is to get Ovechkin the goal record, which I, I don't really hate. And like, they're just like, we're not going to make him drag a 32nd place team along with it. So we want this team to be 22nd, but yeah, in terms of like, actually getting on ice results obviously aside from Ovechkin it's just a pretty depressing story right now yeah exactly. um so it's just and there are a lot of guys that weren't great play drivers to begin with getting older that could outscore their problems but like you know like Ovi's still a good player but like Alex Ovechkin is not an elite play driver anymore Backstrom's not like Oshi oh, isn't. Kuznetsov never really was. Like there's the puck needs to get up the ice, and they're just going to struggle to do that, even though they could have a good power play or whatever. Yeah, and even just like they signed Max Pacioretty. I forgot about that, but like he's 34, coming off two ACL tears or whatever, or knee injuries or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. Like, like he might not be an NHL player. Yeah, like he could be good again. I don't know, but but again, that's another thirty-four-year-old coming off major surgeries. Like, yeah, it's Who's, was declining. Yeah, it, at it's least partially. It's much like the the thing we said with the rookies of not all of them are going to pan out. It's almost the opposite though. Of like one of these guys are just going to be cooked now. Yep, maybe and maybe it's Kuznetsov and Backstrom. At which point it's like your only center is Dylan Strom. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you know, last year, like at the end of last year, I, I liked what they did getting Rasmus Sandin. I thought that was a very savvy pickup. Um, but then they go and get Joel Edmondson this summer. It's like, well, why? Like, yeah. I just putting aside yeah, like the fact the- that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sandine gives them some actual upside at some place in the roster. I like that. But then, yeah, it's like, like Sandine's not going to carry a decor, I don't think. No. Like, and like me and you are probably higher than most on Sandine, but like, yeah, like the, the best outcome for him is what? He's like number 20 on the top NHL defenseman. And even that, I think, is like the tip top. Yeah, that'd be pushing it. So, yeah, like right now they have Santine Carlson, uh, Faravee, Nick Jensen, Joel Edmondson, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Like, it's not the worst defense score in the league. It just, it is just very fine slash meh. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just it's playable, but it's not you're not scaring literally anyone. No, and like that defense core a couple of years ago, um, with the the offense that they had, like when they won the cup, that would be fine because the offense was so good. But now it's like, like the defense is almost the strength of this team. Yeah, that's a sentence. It's true, but it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I guess you could maybe argue goaltending. Like I do like Darcy Kemper and that. I think people probably underrate him a little bit. Um, that's true. Yeah, it's definitely Kemper. But still, like I, Kemper's also shown that he is a little more volatile too. Where if he's not, you know, when he's behind a good team, he can win a cup. We saw him do it. But if he's not behind a good team, you know, he's not going to win a Vesna or anything like that. No. He is not. Not buying these guys. No. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think they'll be an okay team. You know, it's a pretty negative review from us right now, but I think that's also just based on where they have been the past couple of years or whatever, right? Um, or, you know, not the past couple of years. That's not the right sentence. The past decade and a half is more what I meant. Um, yeah. <laughs> from 29 or 2009 to 2020 or whatever you want to call it. Um is there anything to watch with this team other than Ovechkin's goal record hunt? Uh, Sandine. I feel like Sandine should be interesting enough to watch. Sure, that's a fine one. Um, I guess the other one I'll throw in there is like, and this is probably more of a sicko thing, really sicko thing than um, anything else. Can Connor McMichael become anything close to the guy that they were hoping when they drafted him? I respect that pick. Because yeah. he just, I don't know, every time I hear Cats fans talk about it, it's like, oh, this guy could break out. It's like, well, he played six games last year, had no points, got sent down the AHL, and was under a point per game in the AHL. So, like, yeah. I don't the know. The signs aren't looking good. Yeah. Um, let, what is their um, odds line? I'm going to guess they were probably, what do they have, 80 points last year? They were exactly an 80 points last year, yep. I'll go... Cincinnati. I'm gonna say seventy nine and a half. That is apparently pessimistic, which kind of shocks me. It's eighty five point five. Jesus, really? I'm yeah. I'm slamming the under there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I might actually go bet that. Up, I genuinely am, am writing that down to go bet it if I can. Yeah, find a line like that. That is. That is crazy. Um, yeah. Dom has some projected for eighty one point four points. By the way. So um, take that for what you will. 25th in the NHL. Again, I can, I validating our intuitions. Yeah. I would say, I don't know. Like to me, if they're an 87 point team, that is the high, like that is the high, high end of variance getting some like boom from Sandine. Kuznetsov doesn't look totally washed or whatever, but like, I think like I could see them being less points than last year. Yep. Oh, comfortably. At least a um, chance at it, yeah. Yeah, I guess like maybe I'm. I guess like there is a chance Max Pacioretty comes back and is like a 25 goal scorer or whatever. But there's also a chance he's just washed. Yep. So I'm going to go under on the points for sure. I'm with you. Like I said, right. I think I'm actually going to go bet that. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm going to agree. All right, I'm going to switch. Um, this tier as well. So I, I did have two teams in the same tier, but I'm going to move the New York Islanders up to playoff bubble kind of tier. And it has nothing to do with the roster. It's the fact that I forgot they made playoffs last year. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that. Like, 
I, I completely did too. Yeah, like I, I literally went, oh, like they missed the playoffs last year. It's not that. And then I looked, it was like, no, no, never mind. They made it. They got absolutely destroyed in the first round, but they made it. They made it. So I don't know. Like, I think the obvious thing here is just it's hard to really like. And the reason that I, I have them comfortably ahead of Washington is, you know, say what you want about Kemper. I think he's underrated. We both had Elias Sorokin as like a top two goalie in the league when we were doing our list this year. Yeah. Yeah. Sorokin's legitimately elite, which helps. Yeah. Oh, so oh, the, the floor is absolutely there. If Sorokin plays 50 games or whatever, they are getting probably 79 points or whatever it is. Right. Like, and, and that, again, that's like a floor. Yeah, that's as bad as you could realistically get. So, and even like Semyon Marlamov, I don't, I don't know if he had the greatest year last year, but I, I don't hate that as a backup option either. Like he's been quietly underrated, I think, in New York as well. Yeah, he had a nine thirteen last year, nine eleven the year before. Like that's for a backup, that's totally okay. Yeah, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, so the goaltending is definitely going to be the strong suit of this team. Um, you look at the defense core and. Their classic defense core too, where I really liked it a couple years ago. Now I'm less so sure on it. Like Pulak, Pelik are the top pair probably still. Maybe not. Maybe Dobson can step up and take that role on the top pair. I don't know. But then you have Dobson, uh, Romanov, Mayfield, Sebastian Ajo, and Samuel Bullduck as well. Um, so there's a little more upside than maybe I'm giving them credit for, but that probably really strongly depends how you feel about Dobson and Romanov to some degree. Yeah, and I, I love Dobbs as a bat, but I mean, come on. Like, it's, what are you really going to get out of the entire decor? Yeah, it's another, it's a lot, it's, it's very similar to Washington. It's like, man, like, I like Dobson, but is he going to carry a decor? I don't Not know about that. Yeah, and like. Well, yeah, like, I love him as like a fantasy hockey bet and stuff like that, and I think Driving numbers could be great, but I guess he doesn't necessarily have to carry it. But like, this team thinks they're a cup contender. So you got to be pretty damn good. Yeah, exactly. And like, the good news for him is Pelic is still very good. Um, yeah, that's why he doesn't have to carry it. But yeah, exactly. And like, Pelic's good defensively too, so he can take those matchups, which would be helpful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Dobson can kind of roam free offensively, but yeah, like. I don't know. It's just, I don't think it's bad, but I, again, like it's the, the X factor here is like, if Alexander Romanov was like a legit top pair defenseman or whatever, suddenly this decor actually looks pretty good instead of just, Ooh, gosh, what do they got here? But I don't really think Romanov is a top pair defenseman um, by any stretch of the means. I'm not even sure he's like a great NHL defenseman to be totally honest. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I I think just kind of like quickly eyeballing his numbers. I think he's probably like a, a fine-ish four, maybe a five. Yeah, guys like him are easy to underrate actually with statistics because they have pretty underwhelming numbers, but they're also not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, but so then you have like... Who he reminds me of like Justin Holt, where it's just like, mm-hmm. like it's not good, but like it's not far enough below average that you can't sell me on him being like a five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's just, okay. If he's a seventh D you absolutely love him because he's one of the best seventh D in the league. But if he's playing your second pair 
shut down minutes, it looks a lot uglier. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and, and so you go there, you have Pelic, who is a legit, like, top 32 defense, even better than that, but, like, you know what I mean, an actual number one. Dobson, I feel pretty good saying he could be a top pair guy, or, you know, like, if he's a top pair guy this year, that wouldn't shock me. Pelic, again, he's kind of like Romanov right now, where, like, I just, the, the best years of Pelic are, def, or um, of Pulak, sorry, are definitely behind him, Ryan Pulak. Um, Mayfield is just fine. Like he's 30 years old. He's just, he's not bad, but he's not great. You know, <laughs> it's just got to, they don't have any like yeah. super obvious, horrible players on their defense core, but it's, it just kind of lacks some of the high end talent for when they are known to be a defensive team. Yes, exactly. And like, I know the forwards can help, but you also need forwards to score. And, uh, like, I just don't think the defense core is going to be able to lock it down enough to the point where they're going to be able to overcome that offensively. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then, yeah, talking about that forward core, I, I do think a full year Bull Horvat should do good for this team. Horvat, yep. Barzell down the middle will be good. And uh, Pajot is their third line setter, should be fine. Uh, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri, Pierre Engvall on an eight year deal or seven year deal or whatever it was. Uh, your classic Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Matt Martin. Ross Johnston, uh, Wallstrom, somewhere in there as well. Um, they just have a ton of guys at the bottom of their lineup where it's like, again, these guys just don't inspire any like confidence in me. But I do like Barzell, Horvat, um, throw Wallstrom in there, I guess, maybe too, if you really want. But it, it just kind of, the offense just kind of dries up pretty quick. Yeah, there's not enough high-end talent. I think... The, there's some decent like middle six pieces or whatever, but I just I just don't see how they put a first line out there and think they're gonna win against other teams' first lines when it comes down to it. Yeah, exactly. So um I guess one thing to watch for this team, like the most obvious one definitely feels like can Noah Dobson take that step forward? Yep, I agree. I'll go just to be different. Um can Shesterkin be or Sorokin, sorry, be like the best goalie again this year in the league. I also yeah. want to watch Barzell. I just find him always interesting because I don't know his career's kind of been a roller coaster. So each new bit of information we get on him, I'm always willing to look at. Yes, that's a, that's a really good one as well. Um, all right, how many points did they have last year? They had ninety three. Man. I don't know what the, I don't know where to go with this. Um, I'm going to say the line is 91 and a half. You fucking nailed this one. You're on fire <laughs> for this division. Let's go. Uh, yeah, that feels like the right thing. I, I'm going to take a slight under just because I keep saying one of these years, the offense has to fall off a cliff. And I kind of wonder if it's this year, but I don't feel confident about that. I could see them being like a 90-point team to 93-point team, 92-ish. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. It's it's a good line. I can see things going poorly more easily than I can see them going well, though. So, yeah, I'm with you. Because, like, they got historic goaltending last year, and they still 93 points. So, like, if Sorokin's even as good as Shesterkin won last year, like, 
yeah, not a good split spot to be in. Just if he's top five goalie last year. Yeah, if he's ninety percent of what he was last year, which is the fourth best goalie in the league or whatever, this team probably drops five points, like four yeah, points. Exactly. You know, even uh, with Horvat, because the goaltending is just so high leverage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dom has them at ninety two point one points, um, so right in that kind of mark, and nineteenth in the league. Which that seems about right. Like I think if they finish nineteenth in the league with ninety two points, I've that seems exactly where I would expect this team to be. Exactly. Like I I wouldn't put money on either side of ninety one and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I have two teams in this next tier as well, and that is the definitely trying for a top three spot in the uh, division. But you know, obviously, with there's four teams remaining, one of them might have to be a wild card or miss if things go really wrong. Um, who did you have at fourth in this division? I wanted to put them three, but mainly because I like them, I think, and I'd rather them. But I think Pittsburgh is the fourth best team in this division. I'm betting on the variants, baby. I put Pittsburgh three, but I, I, I think love it's that. very, very close. Um, I don't know. I am a Rangers hater. I've, I don't even hate the team. I just, I don't know. Every, every the way people talk about them has always pissed me off. Um, We'll, we can do the Rangers next. Let, let's start with Pittsburgh. So obviously they have an absolute wild off season. I absolutely love what Kyle Dubas did um, this year, this off season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like obviously the Eric Carlson thing was a massive swing, but I think even less talked about, he really quietly rebuilt that depth. Um, yeah, he know, did. Like, he added a lot of nice pieces to that, which was yeah, Exactly. Like he brings in Riley Smith for nothing. That is a great piece for absolutely nothing. Lars Eller will be a great fourth line center for them. Nola Chari comes in. Rem Pitlick comes in. Matt Nieto. And again, like these aren't difference makers, but I mean, Riley Smith can be a difference maker for a short time, but like they're not generally difference makers, but they just had absolutely nothing from their depth last year. So if these guys are even just fine depth players, that is such a huge upgrade. Exactly. Because like, Crosby and company were legit last year and they still missed the playoffs because the depth is just that bad. Yeah, exactly. And then, so, you know, like it just, um, and if I remember correctly, they were pretty unlucky. I thought last year too. Um, Yeah. Their XG and stuff was really good and like better than their results, which Crosby is not what he used to be and whatnot, but like I still buy the idea that a Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, uh, Gensel led team isn't probably worse than their XG. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think the power play will be really exciting to to watch and see what they do. Obviously, bringing in Carlson this year and and just kind of how they use Carlson and Latang because we saw Carlson and Burns. <laughs> see, the, the thing is, people always say they didn't work together. That team made was like a game away from the conference final, and Carlson blew his knee out, and Burns was hurt, and Couture was hurt. And yet they they were still like a very good team, or maybe they were in the conference final and they lost to San Jose. I can't even remember, but they they were a fine team. And then San Jose went to a two defenseman power play system, and that really didn't work. But I think the idea that having two offensive defensemen on the same team doesn't work is probably a little overblown. Yeah, I just think specifically it's you, the days of a two offensive defenseman power play is probably done. But like, I'd rather have good offensive defensemen as many as you can. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah. So th- this defense score is going to be so interesting. They also bring in Ryan Graves to try and shore it up a little bit and uh, replace some of what they lost with like Dumoulin was an absolute disaster last year. 
Um, so you know, they're going to have uh, some variation of like Ryan Graves, Eric Carlson, Marcus Pedersen, Chris Letang, Pierre Oliver, Joseph, and uh, Chad Rudwiedel. And then Ty Smith is there as well uh, to be a bit of a wild card on this defense core. So it is a high variance defense core, it feels like. Which I respect. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, you know, they kind of won cups. Don't get me wrong. They were absolutely an elite team. But, like, they almost won cups because their floor was so damn high as well. Like, you knew what a floor of Latang, Malkin, Crosby all in their peaks was going to give you. Whereas now it's like they need to hit on Crosby, Latang, Malkin having, you know, great years as 36-year-olds or whatever. So why not just lean into the variance and go, if these guys aren't as great anyways, we're absolutely boned. Let's just go all in and hope everything hits at once. Exactly, yeah. Because when you have young Crosby, the way to win the cup is probably just give him as many shots in the playoffs as possible. But now you need variance very much on your side. Yeah, exactly. Being the 15th best team and hoping that someone gets hot for a week doesn't work with this roster. But being either the 18th or 6th best team definitely does. Yeah. So, um, and and then they they weren't going to get a better player to help that than Carlson. No, exactly. And even if Carlson's not quite as good as he was last year or whatever, like if he's the 25th best defenseman in the league, that is still such an upgrade on what they had last year. Yeah. So, uh, yes. and then, in, yeah, exactly. And then that they got Tristan Jari, they bring him back. Uh, again, I think kind of an under, underrated goalie. Like, I don't think he's amazing, but he's definitely not like that bad either. Pittsburgh fans hated him last year and he had a rough stretch down the stretch, but I don't know. I, I think that's a fine bet. And then Alex Nadelkovich as a backup uh, goalie as well. That's fine. Like it's, I, I think their goaltending will just be okay. I don't think it's going to steal them too many games, but like I, th- I think it'll just be kind of league average. Yeah, I'm with you. And it shouldn't need to be amazing. I think it should be more don't cost us than uh, save us here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, all right, one thing to watch. Where are you going with this? I'm going to the obvious, obvious one. I want to see what Eric Carlson looks like on the Penguins. I think this is going to be a fun team to use, like NHL and whatnot. It's it's an interesting concept that they got going. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, the one I am going to go with just to be again be different. I think Carlson's definitely my number one. But are you going to see what does Evgeny Malkin look like at thirty seven years old? He's been quietly good when healthy for longer yeah. than I think people think. Like I feel like he had the couple cup years, and then I feel like if you ask people, everyone kind of thinks he has been pretty bad the last three years he had 83 points in 82 games last year 42 and 41 and 28 and 33 the previous two so like he's been good he just can't stay healthy if he can stay healthy i'm going to be really curious to see what his point totals look like yeah it's a fun pick and like someone driving play pretty well and everything like yeah his yep. defensive numbers aren't like horrible the way always are and stuff like that too yeah i like that yeah uh all right what did they have as a point total last year? They were just missed, so they would have been, what, 92? 91. 91. Uh, I definitely think they're going to be up on this year. I'm going to say they're projected to have 95 and a half. No, 94 and a half. 97 and a half. Woo-hoo. Oh, man. That's tough, With, eh? Yeah, that's a really good line. Where I have them, I feel like I have to go over. 
Part of me, I, mm-hmm. I'll go. Un, oh man, I'm gonna go under just slightly. I could see him 96, 97 points. Yeah, I think that's probably what I would do too. Because like but, ninety, what ninety three got the Islanders into the playoffs last year. Like I could totally see them making the playoffs with ninety three. Yes, I agree. And again, we're about to get the Rangers at one hundred seven last year. I don't think the Rangers are getting one hundred seven, but so that kind of makes me want to go over where I could see like the Penguins ninety eight, the Rangers ninety seven, maybe the Rangers ninety nine, Penguins ninety seven, something like that. But I'll go slightly under. I think they got like ninety seven points and make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. And another one. Books are pretty good at their job. I would not put money on that. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Um, all right. The New York Rangers then. I'm assuming that's who you had three because that's who I had four. Um, yeah. And again, very, very close here. I, I do think that the floor is a little higher with the Rangers just because of Shesterkin and Nett. Um, So I think if you're just trying to project in terms of doing like a thousand simulations, I can definitely see how they would average out to being of a higher team. Um, I just... I'm really worried. Like, I don't know. I feel like people just kind of overrate the moves they make every single year. Like Blake Wheeler, I don't hate the bet at Agent K. I think that's really smart, but he's also 37 and has looked washed for like four seasons now. Yeah. And it's not like, like he's looked washed because he hasn't been able to drive play since like 2018. It's not like he's going to a team that's been great at helping people do that. Yeah, exactly. And like, again, like Jonathan Quick, they resigned to be the backup. Like Shesterkin doesn't play as many games as people think. I don't like. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. Most goalies don't, to be honest. Say maybe Soros now. Yeah, exactly. And like Shesterkin played 58 games last year. So that's still 24 that Quick would have to play. And, and I think they probably would rather not have him play 58 games. Like I'm, I'm assuming it'd be closer to the 53, which means that's 29 to 30 for Quick. That's a lot of games for a guy who legit probably isn't an NHL goalie at this point. Yeah. He might not even be close anymore. Yeah, like everyone was going nuts about how great of a time he had in Vegas. He was a 901 with 10 in 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. It's not scaring people. No. So um I do think I probably still underrate the the Rangers stars a little bit, especially when it comes to the regular season. Like their power play is going to be absolutely dynamic again this year and will probably carry them a decent amount of the way. But like I don't think their power play is going to be worlds better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. No. No, I doubt it. So the biggest question to me is what does like Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider look like at 31, 30, and 32 years old? Um, can they keep driving play and being as good as you know they were? Um, they have been for the past couple of years, and even like Panarin at five on five took a step back last year. Yeah, exactly. And to sustain what they did last year, like they're probably going to need young guys to take a step and old guys to hang on with what they have been, which neither of which may happen. Both could, but there's also a chance neither goes through. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously the other question is, can Lafreniere or Kako finally take the step that these they need them to take if they want to be a true cup contending team? If you had to pick one to do it, who would you pick? Probably Lafreniere. He's, he's a year younger. He had more upside coming in. And they've just been kind of both so mediocre. So like, I just think the ceiling's higher with him. Again, like the floor might be higher with Kako. 
I think the floor is a lot higher with Kako, but yeah, I I'm I'd buy the upside on last a little more too. I think the odds of Kako being like an effective middle six winger are actually pretty high at this point, and with Lafreniere, there's a chance he's still just like basically useless. Yeah, exactly. Like I think Kako probably is like a media or a good third liner or like a fine second liner, whereas. Yeah, Lafreniere might not be an NHL player, but if you also told me that he was a very, very good second liner or even pushing a first liner uh, this year, I'd be like, okay, like uh, the skill is there. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Because yeah, like so, Kako's got above average play driving numbers essentially across the board at this point. Like, but you you don't need an average ish play driver. You need legitimate pop from guys you're picking first and second overall. Yeah, you need more than 40 points in 82 games, which is what he had last year. Even with, you know, like, and again, like the the usefulness, like Kako is a useful player. And if the Rangers ever wanted to cut bait with him, some team would be very smart to pick him up because they could probably get him for cheap. But in terms of what the Rangers need, it's like Kako just isn't providing it. Yeah, exactly. They Ideally, you would be able to eventually transition to them instead of, Panarin at 5v5, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. For them to be first liners. Yeah. Um, and then on the defense court, Adam Fox is an absolute beast. You know, don't need to really talk about that. Uh, Keandre Miller, what, what are your opinions on Miller? I, I think people really hyped him up this past year. I think he's a solid player, but I don't know if I buy the hype that he was getting from some people online. Yeah, I'm with you there. He kind of confused me because I thought he was like a sneaky analytical darling. And then I saw people who were like, like I remember I did a top 100 player list last year and people got multiple responses being like, where's Keandre Miller? I was like, what the fuck? Like, no. Yeah. Not in the top 100 player. He's a good player, but I don't know. He's a Yeah, like, Top one hundred defensemen, sure, but not players. Yeah, exactly. And even top one hundred defensemen, I'm not sure is guaranteed. I think he no. would comfortably yeah, he'd probably make the list, but he'd be in the eighty to one hundred range for sure. I think. Yeah. Maybe seventy, but like yeah, you give him seventy like, or whatever, call it a day. But still. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Um, yeah, but that says exactly what all you need to know there is that he is, you know, kind of like a, a good number three or whatever. Um, and then they got Jacob Truba as well, making too much money, but a fine Good. player, I think. Um, Ryan Lindgren is going to be someone I, I'm interested to get just more data points on as well. Like he had some pretty good underlying numbers, but I think he played a lot of his minutes with Fox, if I'm not mistaken, which is going to make anyone's numbers look pretty good. Yeah, I don't know who he played with, but that would make sense. Although he did have some upside coming up and whatnot, so maybe. Maybe it's just chemistry. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, to be honest. Yeah, and his results were all defensive-driven, which is always noisy as well. Um, so oh, that'll good. just be something to keep an eye on. Uh, and then they bring in Eric Gustafson, who I think is a fine option for a 6-7-D. Uh, and then Brayden Schneider is the other name here, where, again, another guy that he hits people, so people really love him. He was a bad defenseman last year. Yeah, pretty, pretty comfortably, too. Yeah, like really comfortably but people were like oh this guy's like the next you know he's gonna be a great like just third line solid guy maybe even it's your number four it's like oh jesus if he's your number four you were in so much trouble 
Yeah, like he was one of the lesser effective defenders in the entire league last year. Yep, exactly. But again, he hit a couple people, so people lost their mind is what it felt like. Fun. Yeah. yeah. So um one thing to watch with this team, I think we kind of already hit it with the the both the forwards is my kind of thing where Lafreniere and Kako and then also Pernair and Savannah Jed Kreider, like both those groups, can one take a step up and can one avoid the step down? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah. Both on his draft here and right now. Lafreniere's closest comparable per our model, Nail Yakimov. So um, <laughs> I'm intrigued to see how that goes. Yeah, that's probably not what Rangers fans want to hear, but... No. Um, Okay, so they had 107 points last year. They will have to go down, but I'm going to say projected for 99 and a half. That's pretty goddamn good as well. 101.5. Yeah, I, I wondered because I, I will say, like, I don't think the gap of like, like for a team like this that does have their core pretty much intact, I feel like it's probably a little more rare than people think that they drop like 15 points down the standings unless there's a major injury. But, yeah, yeah, the floor is higher than it seems like it could be. I think. Yeah, um, but I'm gonna go. I'll go under that point total, though. I think they could be. I I still think they'll be around the hundred point mark. But if you told me they were like 97 and made the playoffs or whatever, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. If I had to pick a side, I'd go under as well. But yeah, they're probably right in that range. I might look at betting that one. We'll see. It depends what the, the odds are in terms of like how much money. But um, yeah. Yeah. All right. On to the top two. Uh, I think there's pretty clear two tier uh, up top here in terms of competing for the division. And honestly, both of them will probably be right in the president's trophy hunt again. Um, who did you have two and who did you have one? So if this was who is more likely to win the cup, I would flip them, I think. But who's more likely to win the division slash president's trophy? I have New Jersey, too. Yes, me too. Um, I think New Jersey's ceiling feels higher, but the media outcome feels lower. Yeah, and I'm I'm just the the biggest reason the like I I think these guys will be right within each other again. This like I think they were one point apart last. Yeah, one thirteen to one twelve last year. Yeah, I think it'll be similar again this year. I'm just terrified of that New Jersey goaltending standing up over a full season. Yeah, and that's why the media outcome. Like Carolina's so well insulated against bad goaltending just because of the way they control possession. And like they were still really good last year, even though Patch Reddy barely played, if at all. Like Svechnikov was hurt, like all this stuff was happening. And the team still put up 113 points because the system, like they're a system team. They have great players, but like they're very well insulated too. They're a very anti fragile team. Yeah, and even to the point of the goaltending, even more on top of that, like, yes, that, that was, don't get me wrong, this system absolutely insulates that, but they also have Anderson, Kachekov, and Branta, who are and, all... Yeah, they have three just, of them. Yeah, which are all capable goalies, too. Like, Anderson's probably pretty underrated, just, you know, obviously his playoff record is what it is, but, like, Kachekov looked like one of the more promising youngsters coming up, and Branta's just always kind of been, like, if he can stay healthy, the 15th best goalie in the league, like... So the yeah. fact that he might be the third option this year, and I'm not saying he's the 15th best goalie right now, but like if Ranta is the 35th best goalie in the league and he's your third option, that's a pretty good um, situation to have. Yeah. They have a ton of good NHL defensemen. They have a ton of competent forwards. Like they, they're just so well insulated everything. Yeah. I mean, 
like I, I, the Orlov deal, obviously a high AV, but I absolutely love just the the short term. We'll overpay you right now, but you know when we need to actually make some more commitments, that's when we'll uh, we'll have to worry about it. Like Slavin's up that year as well, so the most of that money will go to Slavin. Um, but a, a decor of Slavin, Orlov, Burns, uh, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, and then Tony D'Angelo. I, like, don't get me wrong, Tony D'Angelo is a piece of shit. But like, as the sixth defenseman on an already good defensive team, he's going to play a role. Yeah, he's good at hockey. Whether he's yeah, he sucks, but like. Yeah, he's a good hockey player when he's playing death role. That's just it is what that is, right? Yeah, exactly. And then like Caleb Jones is probably going to be their seventh option. Maybe he slides in on the lineup, and like Caleb Jones is a, just a very fine defender. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice little piece. And they got tons of them. Like I'm sure he'll put up a 56 percent XG or whatever in the Carolina Hurricanes third pair. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, like I. I don't know. The sky's the limit for this team in terms of just like, I would be shocked if they are not top two in this division this year. Um, again, like even with New Jersey, I can see New Jersey, maybe their goaltending really lets them down and they're like third in the division with a hundred points or whatever instead. But this team, I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then up front as well, like they bring in Michael Bunting at a pretty reasonable hit compared to like what kind of the rumors were going to be. I, I don't mind that move at all. Um, so you got like a four core around Aho, Tara Vinen, uh, Nikash, Seth Jarvis, Jordan Stahl, Michael Bunting. Uh, Cockney is going to be in there as well. Jordan Martinuk. Um, they bring in Brendan Lemieux. Don't really love that move, but it is what it is. Um, like they just, again, they, they just, none of those guys like jump off the page, but there's just a ton of really solid players. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of why they're so insulated, right? Like they're screwed in terms of, Cup aspirations if like Aho goes down because you're probably gonna need high and forward, but like they're so well insulated to anyone's injury. Yeah, and I didn't even mention Svechikov because he was on the IR and on cap friendly still. Like he'll be in that group as well. So yeah. um yeah, it's just a, a very, very solid unit. Um one thing to watch. I am gonna go with I'll let you go first because I got I got two that I could go with here. Hmm. I want to see what bunting looks like on a line without a single forward as good as Marner, never mind the other four being Matthews. That's a good one. Yep. I was going to go with how legit is Seth Jarvis and also. I debated um, Jarvis. Yeah, because like he he was a guy who looked really good last year, but I want to know. I I don't know what his like ceiling is. So I want to see if he can take another step yet. And then also, can Svechnikov like finally put it together? and become like a point per game player. It looks like he's been primed to do for years, but never has. Yeah. Cause he, he's one of the only guys we've been wrong about of like thinking he's the next guy to take a leap into that MVP tier, but yeah, actually like, didn't. No, he's just been, a, he's been a fine player, like 30 goals two years ago. He was on pace for around 30 goals last year before he got hurt. And like 55 points in 64 games is not bad, but it's not that elite tier. We thought he would get to. Yeah, exactly. And so, then Jarvis, some some model outputs for him as close as comparables we have are actually most of them are from his draft year, but I'm not gonna cite those guys because Lundell and Raymond don't help you forecast his future. We got Lindholm, Galchenyuk, Josh Bailey, Konechny, Justin Williams. So like there's good players, but like none of those guys were like stars. 
Yeah, which, like, I think that kind of makes sense. That would give him a median projection of, like, a second liner. Yeah, and he was picked at, what, 15th, 16th overall? Yeah, somewhere in the teens. So that would be a pretty good outcome for that. Yeah. Um, realistically good outcome, not just, yeah. like, every team thinks their 15th overall pick should be a star. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so they had 113 points last year. I, I have a hard time seeing them being projected for like a ton more than that. I'm going to go with a 112 point projection. It's actually a 105.5. Wow. Okay. It's the same as the Leafs though. That yeah. Like 113 points is very hard to get to. Yeah. I would still think about the over on that though. For Carolina specifically, if I had to touch a side, I would, I think, I would also go over. Like, they had 116 points two years ago. They had 80 points in 36 games, or sorry, in 56 games in that shortened season as well. And like, I know we can't take quite as much uh, away from that, but like, over an 82 game pace, that's a 117 point pace. Like, they've been comfortably over 105 for like three years now. Yeah, and they didn't get discernibly worse in any way. No. I don't think so either. Like, Max Pacioretty wasn't, like, just wasn't available for them last year, so they didn't lose him. Yeah, and they got better in free agency with Orlov and Bunting. Yeah, exactly. Like, the Dougie Hamilton loss is so long ago now, I don't think you can consider it a loss. Yeah. compared to Especially compared to, like, last year. Just fine without him. Yeah, I'm going to hit the, uh, I'll go with the over on this. And honestly, I might look into betting that. I was thinking that too. Another sneaky thing to watch, Burns was like elite last year. And yeah, so, I thought it was a stupid trade, but yeah. we'll see how wrong I am on that front. Yeah, that's fair. And then uh, just quickly, because we are coming against a time crunch here, we, we'll go through the New Jersey Devils, who are going to be, I think, one of the most exciting teams in hockey. Um, Watchability just- rankings, I'd put them number one in the league. I think. Yeah, maybe Edmonton still, but like they're right up there. Yeah, yeah the McDavid effect. It's kind yep. of and the best power play in history helps too. Yeah. But it's exactly. Helps. But yeah, they'd be at the top tier no matter what. Yeah. Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Andre Palat, Tyler Toffoli, Eric Halla. Um, like just that's a gross top nine. Um, then you got names like McLeod, Curtis Lazar, Thomas Nosek, da- Dawson Mercer. Mercer's in there as well. Like he'll slide up to the top nine. Um, you have like six good fourth liners as well that can rotate in and out of the lineup. Um, defense, Dougie Hamilton, John Marino, Jonas Siegenthaler, Colin Miller, uh, Kevin Ball, Brendan Smith, and the absolute wild card of Luke Hughes could be, plus you know, Nemec. like, yeah, yeah, plus Nemec if he can make the team as well. Like Hughes and Nemec, if they do make the team and are even like, Second pair guys just elevates the the ceiling of this team so much. Oh yeah, especially since he's older. Hughes like Hughes was well over a point per game in the NCAA last year. Looked good in the World Juniors. He could hang in the playoffs. I know they scratched him a couple times. If I remember correctly, but yeah, like if Luke Hughes is a number three defenseman, which probably a little rich to just assume, but it's very possible at least like that could be insane for this team that was already elite. Yep, absolutely. Um, Plus, and then, Myers playing a full year. Like, Myers sucked for them last year. 
And yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this year. No, I would uh, bet a lot of money that it doesn't happen this year. Like, yeah, he he had um, 14 points in 21 games with them last year. I bet you he is much, much closer to point per game yep. where he has basically been for two. Like he was 52 and 57 on a horrid San Jose team before that and 76 and 77 on another horrid San Jose team the year before that. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, things are only going to go up. Yeah. Agreed. Um, again, the goaltending is going to be the, the biggest thing for me. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I get why they would kind of be a little hesitant, but if they could have found a way to, like, try to make the salary work, Connor Hellebuck just would have been the perfect fit on this team. But instead, they're going to Vita Vanacek, Akira Schmid. I think it'll be fine for the regular season. Like, this team should be good enough. It shouldn't matter. But I just, I'm a little worried in terms of, can one, either of those guys take you to a cup? If because that's what this goal, the goal should be for this team. And also, just like I, I do feel, compared to other top teams in the league, there is the possibility that the bottom just absolutely falls out on this goaltending. Yeah, I agree with that. I would, I think there could be one of the rare teams looking at a goalie at the deadline because mm-hmm. they're going to be like a fifty-five plus xG team. They'll be able to overcome it the regular season. But yeah, the playoffs are going to be when it gets scary. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, one thing to watch. Are you choosing one of the defensemen here? Yeah, I want to see because, like, I'm fairly certain Hughes is going to be a full time NHL player, but I want to I want to see Nemec. I want to know if he makes that step this year or if it takes another year. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, I'll go with Ken Jack Hughes, like, repeat and just solidify himself as like a top five centerman in the league because yeah. obviously his see breakout was last year. Yeah, well, exactly. But I don't think it's a guarantee. Like, he didn't have 100 points last year. He just missed 99-78, so 100-point baits. But I don't think it's quite as slam dunk as everyone makes it seem that he's just automatically going to do it again. I think it's a fine bet. Don't get me wrong. But I just want to see it for one more year. So that's going to be something I keep my eye on. Yeah, if he does it this year, then it's like no thought. It's him right there and the Matthews, McKinnon, the best of the world that are also human beings on like McDavid here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I absolutely love the Tyler to fully pick up just in terms of like a low game, risk gamble, that uh, underrated move of the offseason, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so 112 yeah, projected points. 112 last year. Or 112, sorry, 112. So what are their projected points? Carolina's 105. I feel like the betting markets are actually going to be higher on New Jersey. I'm going to go 108. So I kind of thought that too. I thought could um, me having New York above Pittsburgh, like I've been on market this entire way through, and I thought that was going to flip for Carolina and New Jersey, but no, it's 104.5 for New Jersey. Hmm. I don't think that's an unreasonable line. Like I do think they overachieved a little last year in terms of like just the regular season. Yeah. And the goaltending does scare me. Yes. That. I think I would still go slightly over, though. I I, yeah. I don't feel as confident. Like, I don't think I'm going to bet that, whereas I might go bet Carolina. But I think I could see them at, like, 106 points or whatever. Like, six less points than last year, but, like, still an awesome season, of course. Yeah, and they're another team where it's like, I'd want to go alternate with it. Like, I'd rather try to get a better payout of them being the President's Trophy winners than just, like, taking them at minus 110 at this line or whatever. Yes, I, I think that's a that's a very good way to put it. So, 
All right, there is our Metro Division preview. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Send Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. I have a Ottawa Senators puck drop preview coming out. Uh, I think it was the September 27th. So when this episode is out, that'll definitely be out as well. Go check that out at lastwordinhockey.com. And I also have an Ottawa Senators podcast out this week where you can listen wherever you're listening to this. Uh, Make sure to check uh, check out all of Chase's content on his Substack as well. And thank you everyone so much for listening. We will talk to you all next week.